Hi everyone, this is Ann Doherty, co-founder and co-owner of Alum Advising, and your host for Current, an energy podcast that we produce at Alum. Today we are hosting our colleagues, Dr. Alec Dunn and Dr. and uh, Victor Mercado, as part of a new series, Other Navigating Work in the Workplace When Your Experience is Not the Norm. We launched the series a few weeks back with the goal of engaging in conversations about race and gender in the workplace and how our lived experiences and identities inform the way that we work, how we work with each other, and the work that we do. So with that, I'm excited to introduce my two colleagues and hear a little bit more about their experiences, um, where they will specifically be talking about the Latino, Latina, Latinx experience in the workplace. Dr. Alex Dunn is a director at Alum. She uses she and her pronouns and identifies as gay and Latina. She grew up both in the US and Argentina. She and her family live in Portland, Oregon, located in the traditional lands of the Multnomah and Clackamas and other tribes who made their home along the Columbia River. Victor Mercado is a principal with Alum. He uses he and his pronouns and identifies as Mexican. Victor was born in the state of Sonora, Mexico, and lives in Tucson, Arizona, with his family in the ancestral lands of the Tohono O'odham and the Pasquayaki peoples, both of whom who have lived and traversed across Arizona and northern Mexico since time immemorial. And with that, let's hear from Alex and Victor. Alex, I'm just going to go ahead and, and jump in because uh, we've talked about this off camera a little bit, but um, I feel like both you and I are kindred spirits in so many ways. You were born in Argentina. I was born in Mexico. Uh, we're both bilingual, bicultural. And so I'd love to start our conversation there um, by asking you, you know, first of all, um, how do you identify? And then how has your membership in this group impacted your experience in the workplace? Yeah. Asking identity, I think, is always such a tricky thing. I, I think I identify as Argentine. I identify as a white Latina. Um, I definitely don't feel like I have any one identity that fits 100%. Um, and I guess that that is kind of when you're <clears throat> half Argentine, half, uh, I guess, from the United States, American, that you kind of move across different places and uh how that affects kind of my workplace i think in some ways um everything i've done since you know college and grad school has been i think in some way informed by my identity and my experience growing up in another country and you know having family half in one country and half in another um <clears throat> and now raising a son who's because of COVID, never gotten a chance to actually go to Argentina yet, but knowing that he's an Argentine kid, um, I think all of that is, is there in my work. You know, I studied psycholinguistics and bilingualism, um, and now I bring that here. And in some ways, just the recognition that we're all so different um, and that we sometimes have hidden, uh, you know, cultures and perspectives that, that are not really overt at all. Yeah, you know, I can identify um, with a lot of this, especially the idea of code switching. Uh, I tend to think in Spanish, as strange as it sounds sometimes. Uh, do you have a similar experience? I do. Um, I think 
I, I tend to think of Spanish when things are, you know, I, I, we moved back to the States when I was eight, um, I was starting to really prefer Spanish over English. And so <clears throat> there's some core words and places, spaces like eight-year-old vocabulary, home things that are completely in Spanish for me and then other things that aren't. And this is actually what I, I kind of studied in grad school was trying to understand this, this language mode kind of component where some people or sometimes you're thinking in Spanish and sometimes you're thinking in English. And um, in other societies, like in Europe, it doesn't really happen. There's just this kind of multicultural, more kind of bilingual, trilingual kind of communities out there. But here, we tend to be so at least within our own isolated kind of communities. And then therefore that this really happens, you do kind of code switch, you do stick with it. But <clears throat> I must say when I, I'm in a restaurant during normal times and I hear people speaking Spanish, particularly when I hear it, uh, South American Spanish, like Chilean or Argentine Spanish, I'm like, I just, it's so hard to speak in English at that point. Yeah, I think your brain just switches. I, I tend to do the same thing. And also my affect changes if I'm speaking in Spanish or using the formal version of Spanish, right? So usted versus tú. Uh, the moment I go into using usted, which is literally like the equivalent of using Elizabethan English and you use the word thou, like we don't use it, but it's so formal. It really doesn't matter who you're speaking with and who I'm speaking with. Like if I'm using the 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 form of usted, whether it's a peer or even somebody younger or older, uh, there's a very perceptible change uh, in the way that I approach uh, that person. It becomes very formal, um, but also there's a certain like warmth to it. Yeah, it totally changes the way you behave. Um, for me, that also happens with when I'm speaking with speaking Spanish or I'm particularly with people who are culturally Latino is that um, the sense of space changes for me like at least in Argentina you can be much closer to people physically and it's okay and when I'm with Americans I'm like whoa that's too close um, <clears throat> but when I'm with other Latinos I kind of I know that it's okay it's just this total change in in how my body is is with relation to the world yeah your your bubble changes that's that's uh, so funny <laughs> yeah all of those lived experiences matter particularly with the work that we do now which is so uh equity focused <clears throat> i think in some ways that it lets you take perspectives that aren't yours you know the more chances you have to have experienced different cultures and lived and felt kind of othered in a lot of ways the more empathy you have to that experience. Now, I I am white. I've got green eyes. I had blonde hair most of my life. And, and so I had a privilege that most Latinos and people of color don't have. <clears throat> um, and so that, and I feel that too, trying to bring that in, bring the empathy in of understanding that we're not, you know, I never feel perfectly at home in any one culture. I can imagine that's even more, yeah, intense in a, with other people. One hundred percent. So, how about you, Victor? Like, how how you know how do you identify and how does it work affect kind of your work experience? Yeah, I would say my experience is very similar to yours, Alex. Uh, you know, I'm a border kid, and I think really where you live and where you grew up uh, defines a lot of of the 
your experiences, especially around language, you know, folks who live closer to Canada and, you know, they, they're going to speak, um, it's likely they'll speak French or folks who are in Louisiana, there's a mix of like Patois and a mix of other languages. I was born in Mexico, so I identify as Mexicano. Uh, my mom and I immigrated to the U.S. in the late 1980s, uh, right around the the tail end of the Reagan administration when uh, there was amnesty, you know, if, if you can believe that. Like most Mexicans, I'm a mix of indigenous and European peoples. Uh, on my mom's side, we have ancestors who have lived uh, in Tucson, whose, you know, experience in Tucson goes back to the late 1800s. Um, our ancestor was uh, W.E. Felix. Uh, his name was uh, Wenceslao Evaristo uh, Felix. Uh, and he migrated from Mexico to Tucson around 1860 and opened one of the first dry goods stores uh, on the corner of Congress and Church. I share that for those folks who are from the Tucson area. Um, but um, yeah, so he he moved out here right at the time when um, control was ceded from Mexico to the U.S. following uh, the Gadsden Purchase in, in 1854. You know, um, and I think more importantly, I think the as we talk about context and the sense of place, you know, um, more importantly, you know, the original inhabitants of Tucson have really been the the Tana Atom, um, and so literally for thousands of years, right? And I share this story because when we think about language and the words that we use, you know, Tucson is named after an autumn word, you know, Chucson, which was later translated into Spanish as Tucson. And then later translate into English, right, as, as Tucson. And I say this because in order to really understand, you know, our identities, I think we all have to be a little kind to ourselves and understand the cultural context into which we have been thrust into or born into. To meander back to your question, how does my identity affect my experience in the workplace? You know, I say it's, it's really simple. You know, when, when I show up to lead a team or work on a project, I try to bring with me an understanding and a level of empathy similar to what you said earlier when we were talking about empathy. Uh, you know, because those of us who have been, for who, who have been othered, you know, it's, it's really hard to occupy space and we know what that feels like. You know, so if you're a person of color or LGBTQ or a woman or a first-generation college student or someone who perhaps did not follow you know, what people would describe to as the typical path to the workplace. You know, before we can even do the work or dig into the work, you know, we really need to level set and understand the people we work with at a very human level, um, the folks with whom we share space uh, in the office. Um, and I say that because if we ultimately want our organizations to thrive, uh, we need to create spaces for people to really bring their full, authentic selves to the workplace. And you have to understand that all of us, regardless of what group we're in, you know, we're not a monolith. And so you need to be able to unpack that. Um, so I think something that's been uh, very central to me in how I show up in the workplace is really um, just this, um, the, the level of empathy um, that I bring to the table. Yeah, you totally do. It's it's a lot, right? And and everyone has a history. Everyone has that kind of that background in the stories. And I think hearing those and then one thing I love about Illum is is also the openness to <clears throat> think differently, be open about those stories. Um, you know, where we let people be who they are and that's that's pretty cool. 
Yeah, that that's super cool, Alex, and, and I'm glad that you mentioned Illum. So let's dig into it. Um, Alex, you know, you, you've self-identified as a white Latina, and so how does your membership inform the way that you think about your work specifically at Illum? Uh, and if if so, how? Yeah, you know, it's such a it's a big question. I guess like it affects everything I do at Illum in some ways, right? Like we bring ourselves, and and one of the things about working at Illum is that we bring our full authentic selves, like we're allowed to. Um, this isn't really about Latino, but but I remember the first time we were getting our our headshots, and I was like, oh, I need to grow out my hair. Like for those that can't see me, I have short hair. And, um, you know, and, and Anne's like, no, just be yourself. Get the haircut, you are you. And that that really told me everything I needed to know about, about being here. It was bringing myself and those perspectives in. So for me as a white Latina, as an Argentine, as someone who was made fun of in both places and never felt like I really fit, that also brings that perspective in on, in the work we do with energy is, is we have built programs or at least the industry has built programs that, that fit for kind of the typical person, which you can read as kind of like the default of, of white middle-class people. <clears throat> and so, so much of what I love about Illum is that we can bring ourselves in and start really questioning things and, and doing the research that our clients desperately are asking us to do and, and want and, and, um, and getting a chance then to to build out this other perspective of well how would you build a program how would you make sure that you can give these services to people who need them but aren't going to fit into that norm we ask really tough questions i i would agree and i think we also have a team that is built and that is very um uh, holistic and cross-disciplinary um and so yeah there there's no softballs here no yeah, I mean, I've got to admit, as a cognitive scientist, someone who, like, literally from undergrad on has been, you know, loving the the idea of and studying this interdisciplinary space, this, this is a dream job for me, the, the fact that I get to work with engineers and data scientists and anthropologists um, is kind of shocking, you know, like there's, we have artists, we have people who think differently and that then lets you do what we do. And I think that that, that definitely separates us. We are very good at asking the right questions and really going deeper uh, and deeper until we really unearth some of those insights. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was someone who was training me ages ago, and and uh, you know I think I forget where where it came from, but the idea of just keep asking why, like the five whys. I think it was Toyota or something, uh, an organization where basically like okay, well, and why is that? You come up with an answer and you start really digging deeper, and and we all <clears throat> allow ourselves to have that different perspective ask the whys, come up with an answer, but still kind of pull that in. And and it is our our uniqueness, um, both in training and also kind of what we bring to the table as people that help answer those. So what I it's kind of hard to hard to articulate this because I know we've been talking about, you know, Illum and we've been going back and forth, but but for you as a Mexicano, someone who really like, I think particularly as a border guy as you identified how does that affect the work you do at Illum? yeah that's a great question in uh, you know um 
you know, from my perspective, my work is really around, is really centered around communicating and telling the story of our work. So I'm always conscious about who is our audience and, and how are we speaking about our customers uh, from a very personal place, right? Um, you know, I think whether, you know, uh, we're talking about uh, Mexican communities or Latinx communities, uh, you know, I think we tend to be very communal, right? And I grew up in a very communal environment too. So, you know, we have extended families that play a really important part raising kids and teaching and imbuing one another uh, and everybody really pulls in, which we've been doing for generations, um, which I think is funny as we think about the pandemic. I, I think for us, for a lot of our communities, you know, this is something that we've always done uh, and we've always looked out for one another. You know, we, we believe in abundance, you know, we'll invite folks over for a meal, even when, you know, some of us have, have you know, little for ourselves. Um, the community always comes first. The self, you know, doesn't even register. You know, uh, we often defer ourselves in service of the whole. And so I think that's really how I approach a lot of the work. Uh, and at Alum, you know, our work is always in service of, right? Is always in service of, of our clients, utilities, program administrators, states. And, and ultimately, I'm reminded that our work is, is uh, in service to our customers, uh, everyday people, right? Like you mentioned, and that the product of our work, whether it's, you know, um, delivering on, on the promise of, of clean energy or clean air is really quintessential to people's health and human dignity. Um, you talked earlier, um, and, and I try to, uh, about equity, right? And so I also try to bring this mindset uh, and this 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 sense of like leveling the playing field is is really important to me. I believe that, you know, if we do that, we can rise together and mutually benefit and, uh, you know, last year, you know, Loom, we did so much work around equity and really launching and, and standing up an entire series of content around issues of equity and diversity. And, and at that moment, I, that's when I knew I've always known, but it was it was really validating for me to know that I was in the right place doing the right work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's actually really <clears throat> something you said really struck me, which was the that sense of community and and, uh, you know, during the pandemic, my parents were in Argentina and, and the borders were closed. So we didn't get to see them for two years. And, and we felt that loss. And one of the things I would say about Illum that is very unusual is, is that there is a more communal kind of culture and perspective than is typical in a, you know, typical United States firm. Um, <clears throat> less individualistic and much more communal and you see it with people coming in going like wow this is amazing you're complimenting each other it's not there's no competition it's about in service of the work and the people that we serve and and that that does fit maybe that's why I feel so comfortable here it's uh culturally fits as well Uh, Alex I have two rapid fire questions for you Uh, the first one is do you feel represented in our industry Within the the everyday work, I mean, as the white part, yeah, obviously, but as a woman and as someone who has lived in another country and feels and is Latina, I think, no, I think that it's a constant kind of reminder of people not seeing others. Um, And I think particularly black and brown people are highly underrepresented in our work. And and it's actually a big problem in my view. We're missing that perspective. 
Yeah, I would agree. And I think it depends also on what context, right? Um, as a college educated male in a very heteronormative context, yeah, I'd say, sure, I, I feel represented. And then there's other times, right, that as, you know, as a person of color or, you know, as, 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 as an immigrant, sometimes when you step into the room, you know, you just, uh, it's, it's hard to kind of put your finger on it, but you just feel like this, this, there's this slight change in the room or you feel, you know, the, 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 the room just feels different to you, uh, or you feel different in the room. Uh, but it's kind of hard to explain. Yeah. I've definitely been in, in some meetings going like, wow, I'm the only woman in this in this group. And I'm definitely the only one who who grew up in two different cultures and speak two languages. And, and all of that um, often is invisible to others, but you feel it, right? When you're when you're that person. What is our industry getting right in terms of supporting our employees? I think we're we're talking about it. We're thinking about it. I think that people are starting to pay more than just lip service to the fact that that diversity is something that is a strength and they're starting to see the the business kind of side of things in a sense um so i think there's there's that so i think one of the things in particular that i'm seeing right now is that clients are asking the questions like oh how do how, what is it about our marketing material or our websites that isn't accessing these customers and then they're also starting to notice that there's just utilities are actually a really diverse hiring group and and so now they're bringing the voices of their employees to the fore which is amazing the fact that we're having this conversation is amazing the fact that Illum has um, gone to time and expense to to have diversity equity and inclusion training um, that is way more thoughtful than anything of just one hour or you know just plain lip service, but really, really investing in it. That's what I think we're doing right. Yeah, you know, I think we're in a in a very employee-centric moment where employees have a lot of leverage right now and are asking really tough questions um, after the pandemic. Some of them are just walking off um, and they really are dissatisfied with, with the status quo for a lot of reasons. Yeah. Hopefully we don't stop at just the surface, which is kind of the the history of it, right? So you start peeling the onion, get a little bit way in, and then it kind of goes away for a while. But I, I have a feeling that at this moment, particularly as the this country becomes more diverse and people really are embracing that, that, that we can start seeing and acknowledging and speaking about this kind of diversity of, of thought and culture and perspectives that we all have just makes a big difference in our lives. I agree. Um, Alex, I really appreciate the opportunity to be in this moment with you. I'm, I'm glad that we sat down and uh, yeah, and we had this opportunity to, to connect and talk more about issues that are just uh, really important uh, at this time. Likewise. Thank you, Victor. It's been really lovely to chat about this and um, thanks for the chance of getting to chat about it at all. It's cool. Thanks, Alex. Thanks, Victor. Thank you for joining us today. I hope you learned a little something about our team at Illum and maybe a little nuggets of wisdom or insight that you can take back with you and your work in your job. This podcast was produced by Illum's production team, music by Mellow C. Thank you for taking the time to listen, and we hope to talk to you next time. Take care, everyone.